0: Oh, my wife, yeah. She has never listened to one episode of anything. I've been doing this since 2007. She's never listened to anything I've ever done. So that's that's a blast. Probably better, you know. <laughs>
1: had are you a football fan because titans just got knocked out you're down there i you know i'm a i'm a sports i grew up a huge sports fan
0: it's kind of you know i've waned a little bit from sports over the last few years i'm still i still watch and i, I try to sport anything locally like i'm not the biggest hockey fan right. and, and i you know i will but i will watch them if they're on and but football yeah football's my my thing yeah i i kind of expected that Baltimore has knocked us out of the playoffs. Besides last year, which was like you know an anomaly, they've knocked us out of the playoffs many years when I, we were really good. You know,
1: I fucking hate that team. I I, I just I, yeah. can't stand them. Yeah. I, I I like I like John Harbaugh oddly. Like, yeah. I, I think he's a good coach, but I just, I don't know, uh, I don't like their quarterback. I don't like, I've never liked, like, Ray Lewis. I hated him. I, oh,
0: he's, he's a murderer, dude. Come well, exactly, on. I exactly,
1: mean, man. It's like, and then also, I'm probably a little pissed off that somebody took purple. You know, it's like, you know, fuck yeah. you guys. That was the one thing we had, man. Yeah. So. They took it.
0: Yeah, they're trash. I, I
1: agree with you. <laughs> I mean, people
0: are like, who's your rival? It's Baltimore. It's not Indy. It's not Jacksonville.
1: It's Baltimore. They're the worst, so absolutely uh well um I am uh warming everything up here with Dave Brewington of uh the Blamey brother podcast Dave Brewington d brew the voice of the people so all apologies to the people for that but uh mm. welcome to the program this has been a bit of a, a work in progress getting us here
0: yeah you know we we have met before yeah it was uh what Three years ago, two years ago? I can't remember. It's oh this... two
1: thousand eighteen, I believe. It was the second okay. rock and pod. Yeah, you came yes. it was that one wasn't that, that kinda like uh I can't remember it was the the, the transitional one I, I call it.
0: it. It i call it the Michael Butler interview one, but yeah, I, Well no <laughs> no that was the, the
1: first one I think.
0: Okay, so I thought we not meet at that one. Maybe not. I'm we not. Pr- yes, we did not well, meet at that one. We, we met at be- the second. You're right. Yes, yeah. we giving me at the second one. You're right. Yes, that's correct. Wow, my brain's going. You know, truthfully, I I hadn't heard you guys before. I mean, I'd heard your name, but and after that, I started listening to you. So. It, whatever happened it worked yeah, you know and right i'm like a you know dedicated listener of the program so
1: lc was a big fan he uh, he dragged me into your show but uh, okay. i really uh, and on that on that note i think i was just telling you a little bit off off mic here but i really thought you guys were ramping up really strong here to end this year man uh the political talk had to be a little divisive you've mentioned it on the show have you actually seen numbers dip or what is a
0: yeah no i did um and i we have many I know for sure we had many Trump supporters that listened to the show. 100% I know. And so much, they they don't come to me directly. They know me through John or, you know, whatever. They communicate to me through John. And they've said, like, your podcast turning into CNN, Russian center or whatever. And I went, if that's their attitude, I don't want them listening anyway, you know. So, you know, but, you know, when you talk about things like that, you're going to, you know, as much as I even music, politics, anything, you're going to piss people off regardless you know and it that's good though you know it, as long as you know they don't take it too badly i mean you know not liking kiss and supporting donald trump obviously are not the same thing similar <laughs> reactions all, though uh yes yes uh. right so you know but uh yeah it, it's um yeah so lee left the show uh, we were talking about off mic and it, now it's me and john doing it and, and you know when you lose part of your show you're you're having to refind your voice almost and getting mm-hmm. someone that hasn't talked as much my co-host john it was always kind of like a third mic. He, you know add a little a little joke here and there so you know it's we're doing it but you know life we move on the guy's still my brother we're still friends yeah. and we're still on good terms so you know it's good but yeah we're looking forward to just you know doing new things in 2021 so
1: well, let's, let's uh, take a hard shift here and get into today's topic a little bit. I do okay. have some amends to make with you, though, Dave. Um, okay. Uh, we, we, we go back a little bit. Like you said, we met in Nashville, and you and I have struck up a social media friendship, I would think is safe to say from that yeah. point on. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, but it turns out that I had actually made a promise to you that I had committed, and I, and I think you you deserve an explanation. I think the, okay. the listeners deserve that, and you need at least an opportunity to uh, to share a little bit of maybe a crib note version of the record you were supposed to do. So, so to back people up because it is kind of comical how how I just basically screwed this whole thing up. One of the things is that it, the bottom line is I'm bad at Twitter, which is one of the reasons I wanted your your I texted you a while back or message you said, "Hey, can I just get your phone number? It'd be a lot easier." Right yeah. from this point on, uh, I just I'm more attentive to that than a, than a message on on. Uh, on Twitter. But yeah, so you had agreed. At my behest, I think I reached out to you and said, is there anything on this list? And I, I think I gave you some records that were left. And you picked Nirvana Bleach. Right. All right so as I'm going through this process, I have a little list, that, a master list that I keep, uh, and... I, I had nobody marked down on that. So somewhere between us messaging and that episode coming up, there was nothing there. I had actually j- reached out to Josh Toomey, a friend of mine, just like, hey, man, I got nobody to do bleach, man. Can you do bleach? And he said, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I, I he, he liked the record a decent amount, so he, he agreed to do it. The episode comes out, and of course, I get it. There's a comment from you. <laughs> like, well, I guess I thought I was doing that. And I'm like... So then, all of a sudden, now I'm scrambling back, and I've, so I just fucked the whole thing up. So first of all, Dave uh, from me, Baco here at uh, Cobras and Fire, and whenever, never mind, and and also LC. I'm sorry that I besmirched the brand uh, by uh, uh, doing this, but uh, my heartfelt apologies. Thank you for. Uh, it, it gets worse than that, though, Dave. There was another record that I had had to move. The reason that. Um, Josh took that record is because a record that I had promised him, I actually promised to somebody else. And then oh, I asked no. if he would move to another one. So I screwed this whole fucking thing up. Now I have everything slotted. There's nothing left to debate. I know who's doing every episode from here forward, but I thought you at least deserved a few minutes to share. Cause you've talked about it on your show. You consider Nirvana one of your favorite bands of all time. You, yes. you, you, you list them as one of those bands that have three knockout albums on the record bleach, specifically, please give us your thoughts and, and just, just whatever you want to say about it, man. And also, please take a few shots at me in the way.
0: Here's the thing. I, normally, I, I am a shot taker, but I will say this, and I was thinking of this earlier today. <laughs> For you to have done all of this is really insane, and it is really it's a, it's amazing that you've done. I, I was I honestly was thinking about that. I was like, this guy has done – you know, 25 albums are going to do 25 albums with different people talked about them. It's all been great episode. It's great talk. I don't know about this one, but you know, <laughs> it's all been great episodes and it's just phenomenal. So having different social media accounts, I get it. I've, I've dropped the ball many times. You're right. You, you do one on this one. You come back at, oh, but it's whatever I will say about Bleach is it my it's not my favorite obviously i mean i don't know if it's anyone's favorite nirvana album but it is it is a fun album to listen to it's fun to hear kurt you know getting his voice um you know i here's the thing about when i think of grunge albums i think bleach sounds like when i think of the term grunge okay like for smashing pumpkins to be on the list i love smashing pumpkins they're, they're also one of my favorite of of the list but I just don't hear quite as much grunge in in them as i do with like bleach or mud honey or, or, or bands like that you know there's that that sound that goes to it so i mean i but it is a phenomenal album i go back and i listen to it all the time i think there's um the thing i liked about nirvana when i think of the mount rushmore of of the bands you know you got nirvana pearl jam Soundgarden, Alice and chains i mean nirvana speaks to me because of the hooks uh there's a little bit cleaner sound it's not you know not it's not britney spears but there's a cleaner sound to it more this spacey kind of for sure me. yeah like more and, air or whatever you know i grew up listening to, to terrible music truthfully my parents did not expose me to a lot of rock and roll music i listened to a lot of elvis presley like <laughs> a lot that's all my dad would listen to that and barry manilow it was what my dad my, my first concert? truthfully, 1984 Barry Manilow Copa Cabana tour. That's not a joke. Statler <laughs> Brothers, like, yes, at, at and some uh,
1: tractor farm. I'm not kidding.
0: Oh man, it, yeah. so bad. But my dad bought Nirvana's Nevermind on tape when it came out. Uh, 91 had to be for and himself. The, yes, for himself. Because okay. he 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 would he got a little bit older and started venturing like he, right. that and you too. He would listen to a lot. And I heard it, we were driving somewhere, I went, this is the greatest band I've ever heard in my life. And it kind of changed me. That's when I started, you know, that's where I'm at today with music, I mean, which is my, you know, soul and life and all that. But but yes, Bleach, uh, phenomenal album, especially for under $1,000, $600. Unreal I mean, it's, it's, when you factor yeah, all that in. It's insane, you know. um, You know, and you can obviously, as they go on, Dave Grohl brought a lot to the band, and... The different, you know, next two albums they put out. So, but it's still a great album. I mean, a lot of great tunes on there, you know. So, I, you know, we obviously would went to deeper dive. We're doing the whole thing, but it, it's not, it's not one of my top five of the entire list. But it's still, I mean, it's good, you know.
1: Right on. Well, and and again, Dave, thank you for being so gracious and accepting my apology.
0: What now? What was the what was the album? Toomey was supposed to do. Okay, let, let me. Uh... Do you ever, do you remember?
1: said, now i have my list uh there you go um let's see so Toomey was going to do i think it was whole oh no it was oh. in utero in utero which we just oh. did so okay. then I, I had nobody written down for that because Toomey did gotcha. another record with me and i figured well he was done <laughs> just, i got you um. yeah so
0: well there we go well we're, we're here today so you know right when, on however it happened you know but i i was excited just the concept of the entire show to be even be involved so i'm whatever we're talking about
1: well dave let's get into it man coming in at number seven on rolling stone's greatest grunge albums of all time is a self-titled temple of the dog released on april 16th 1991 recorded at london bridge studios in seattle washington Produced by the band and Rick Parisher, a supergroup of sorts featuring members of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. Initially, a pretty modest sales, at least for the time, $70,000. Um, it would eventually reach, reach a platinum status on the heels of the success, the success of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and the re-release of the single Hunger Strike after the whole grunge scene exploded. Now, we really do kind of need to, 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 before we get into the record, kind of go back to... Andrew Wood, the singer from Mother Love Bone, who was really kind of the catalyst for this whole project, and was largely an unknown person at the time. Basically, um, Andy was the singer of a band called Mother Love Bone, which I think by now most people, if you're, especially if you're listening to this show, he went on to they went on to form Pearl Jam after Andy's di- Andy died. But Andy died just shortly before their their record was supposed to come out. Chris had a pretty strong relationship with with Andy. They, Andy was a pretty well-known heroin addict in the area and Chris was sober and when Andy was looking for a place to live, Chris actually as a friend thought it might be good to have a sober place to stay, or at least a roommate that wasn't going to be, you know, assisting him in his process. So needless to say when 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 everything kind of when Andy eventually did overdose, um you know it, it hit chris hard it it sounds like uh, of the members of soundgarden anyway he was he was the most he was the closest with him but the, the fucked up thing that that that, that i i was surprised i guess cuz i i think in my head i heard about all that probably 2 years after it happened i didn't probably i didn't hear mother love Bones music for a couple years and and when you started hearing these stories you're just really not putting it that way but one thing that kind of was surprised me was you know over the course of doing the show, is that Andy lived for like almost four or five days in a oh, hospital wow. in a coma state, and and he was actually kept alive a couple extra days at the insistence uh, of his girlfriend Zena. I think her name is uh, Zena Lefuente. Um, that um, that Chris would be allowed to come home and say goodbye, and and so you got the family and, and friends and everybody there. Just knowing this guy is basically brain dead, waiting for him, and I think that was a bit unfair to Chris. And honestly, in hindsight, that's a pretty heavy burden to put on somebody. It's like you really, I mean, I, I get, I think it was well intended, uh, well intended, but I, I, I don't know. That's a bit much, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a bit much. Yeah,
0: it's, it's. I mean, it's a hell of a, <laughs> it's Jesus. a. I mean, it's almost a burden. You know, I mean, so I, uh, I like you say. I mean, well, I'm sure the intentions were good, but. Wow, you know, I, I can't even imagine, you know, the death of someone, then having to, yeah, that's just wild. I don't know.
1: And then you know, it being uh, they, they were still roommates at the time too. He died were in, in Chris's house. Well, oh. he was found, I guess. So he died. He died in the hospital, like four right, five days yeah. later, when they pulled him off of oh, life support. But. Um yeah and there's all these kind of sad stories that uh you know are detailed in the book. Uh, it's actually in a Corbin Reef book which is uh, I got an interview with him kind of following this um where he uh, he basically it's called Total Fucking Godhead it's a Chris Cornell biography that that that, that it is available everywhere. And then also even the David DeSola book on Alice Chains I had David on um, uh, I don't know, earlier when we were talking facelift. And he'll actually be back for the Dirt episode, too. But uh, it gets into those two books. They gloss over it a little bit in a documentary on Andrew called Malfunction that's available on, on YouTube. It's it's not the, the highest quality of, uh, I don't know, I don't know editing or or production but uh, it's actually a very well done documentary as far as that but it's it's it doesn't put Pearl Jam in a very good light they uh they don't have a lot of love for those guys apparently Mm. so uh anyway uh but uh yeah so basically after this happens you have the 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 guys Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam you know who are like now what do we do our our singer is gone the 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 drummer and the guitar player from Mother Love Bone their names escape me but uh they they moved on uh, Mike McCready comes into the uh, picture as a friend of Jeff Ament, and uh, Chris Cornell writes the two songs of the very first two tracks, Say Hello to Heaven and 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 Reach Down. And those, are the, it turns out, I remember when this set came out, especially once it kind of blew up, it was like, this is the, the record about Andrew Wood, and it sounds like those are the only two songs specifically written about Andy. Now, we'll get into that a little more when we break down the, the track by track, but... From that point on, the they, they, Chris brings in the guys in the band, and they decide what they're going to do. And it, there was talk about like actually recording unreleased recordings of Andy's songs he had written um, and, and redoing it, but they decided that, that that might be viewed as a bit of a cash grab or something a little less uh, they're, they're trying to do something more as a tribute. So they just made the decision to just not even make it part of the conversation, and they got together and they actually just started writing and they they were they rehearsed. Uh, you know, it's weird that that like when you hear these things, it's like how do you even have this thing set up like this? Because Soundgarden wasn't like the multi platinum dominant force in the world at this time this is 1990 i mean slaughter is fucking riding high right now right you know stick it to you is a huge record and 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 there and chris Cornell's off on his his dead grandmother's farm re, uh, turning in a, a barn into a recording studio <laughs> um and that's kind of and then they, they, that's where they demoed everything they ended up recording in london bridge there which i think might be called Bad Animals now, like I think the Heart sisters bought it at some point but mm. don't quote me on that but you know, I, I believe uh, off the top of my head that's where it comes from But uh, and the last thing on that and then I'll, I'll kind of t- kick it over to you for your thoughts, is that the name of the band does come from a mother lovebone song, Man of Golden Word
2: Wanna show you something
0: Yes, yeah, so, yes, so you were like, I've still got Temple of the Dog available, <laughs> and I and I literally said, I know that one song, the Hunger Strike. I said, <laughs> Boy, I know that, um, you know, I, I, it's it's a song that literally I walk around weekly and sing it. Just you know, when it's time for dinner or something, I am going hungry. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't
1: know. I mean, obviously As was I, intended,
0: yes, but I love. <laughs> I just get this out here. I love Chris Cornell. I think he is the greatest vocalist of this generation, Um, you know, bar none, you know, and whenever I look at any of his tracks, he does, if I'm rating him like, you know, one to five, he's automatically almost getting a two just on his vocals alone. I mean, they're, they're out of this world and, you know, it's tragic, you know, what happened to him and we won't get to hear any more of his music going forward. But, um, obviously I know who Pearl Jam is and, so this was a fun, like as I've listened to it, many times over the last last week to get familiar with the this two you know two singles obviously I'd heard, but the rest of it. I, I texted you at one point. I was like, I don't know if this album is any good or not, truly. <laughs> and maybe I was in a. I think listened to it the first two times. I was. I think you got to be ready for certain albums. Yeah. And when it finally hit, I went, "Oh my!" You know. Obviously, we'll get into what I think about the tracks, but my opinion grew of it. And it's it's awesome to see that, you know, this was Pearl Jam before Pearl Jam. So, you know, any Pearl Jam fans out there have to love this, uh, even though it came out of a person's death, which is unfortunate. But if that doesn't happen, you know, do we know who Eddie Vedder is? I don't know, who knows? Maybe not. But – or maybe not like we know him now. So it it is an interesting album, and it's also very cool that Cornell wrote, uh, what, like uh, eight of the ten songs on the album or something like that. So – um it's great to see him do that as well. He was just – I mean, just – he was meant to do what he did. You know, that's – and so I, I love Chris Cornell. I, Soundgarden wasn't my most favorite band. I I loved them, but they weren't – you know, I've said Nirvana was my favorite. But you couldn't just – I mean, Cornell's voice just outshined everybody in this entire – you know, in this music scene and even today, so –
1: yeah, and 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 there were, we're talking about some pretty good singers, man. I think actually, you mentioned the the, the Mount Rushmore, man. They're all heavy hitters, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, even like like I, I've talked about Nirvana not really being my cup of tea. What I'm really trying to do there is is kind of expose any personal bias when I talk about them. Is that like yeah. I, I, I? But Kurt Cobain is honestly a pretty goddamn good singer, man
0: yeah yeah I think you know I don't know if you i know you've seen it, but the uh puddle of mud guy <laughs> in, uh,
2: <laughs> when
0: they when they covered uh about a girl on some i don't know what it was some morning show or things like that I don't know if you've seen this video or not, but uh, it of course, is yeah oh it is i mean wow, serious
1: xm i don't know i don't know oh, what they were doing but yeah y- uh,
0: Yes, because you talked you guys talked about it on the bleach episode, yes, oh my god, so anyway, so then you see yes like he's a better vocalist than people give him credit for but you know i it's be unfair to compare him to chris carnell you well, know cuz yeah, like we're, we're talking different Indiana, animals right but, uh. yeah but still so yeah i mean I, I obviously like i said temple of dog i've heard it i've heard mother love bone before this but i couldn't tell you one song of theirs for 10 million dollars right now so
1: well paint paint, paint the picture then like uh, your dad's buying nirvana in 91 um this record comes out around that time, but really isn't let's just say ninety two is really when after pearl jam ten kind of breaks that's when this mm-hmm. kind of hits um what were you wh- wh- how old were you been around that time
0: so i uh, so I would have been ninety one fourteen years old, so I was uh man i mean if you gonna like what was I listening to at the time oh man genesis. I'm talking Phil Collins, Genesis. I'm talking uh, Brian Adams was like the first CD I bought, uh, "Waking Up the Neighbors." Uh, anything on VH1 was what I was listening to oh, pretty much. My, at I mean, fourteen
1: man, we were definitely different kids, man. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, because um, VH1 up, in '91 was like a contemporary adult rock.
0: Yeah. No, I'm yeah. I'm serious. I mean, I would listen to. I mean like I, I can't I don't even know I, I watched MTV and like yes I obviously was I hate it so on record and I'm sure people will love this I hate and I hate it and I still hate I hate 80s like hair metal I hate it I can't stand <laughs> it I don't think there's anything really redeeming for the most part I, mean, there's the I look forward to having suns. you back
1: on my 80s metal top 50 there count you go the- oh
0: let's do them all so I hated that Growing, up. I don't know why. I just maybe it was. I think there's some southern bias. I've always, I'm from the south. Obviously, mm. people can hear, but I've always just I didn't notice disliked disliked all of the culture of the south. I hate so. It's all the redneck kids I was in school with loved poison. They they would talk about poison all the time. My Motley Crue, Rat, all those bands. I was like, I hate this. Like, I hate it because it's, they. So I don't know. You know, in a different world maybe i'm somewhere else maybe i love that music and i should have as a preteen i should have loved that stuff i hated it so much so yeah. um this when this this era of music came in it, i was like oh that's what music's supposed to be so that so yes i was listening to some and i'll admit bad music you know uh, a lot of mariah carey in vogue <laughs> things like that bad stuff man. So, so so
1: so your problem with hair metal isn't that it sucked because you like other music that sucks it was just not your thing <laughs> yes I,
0: I think just this is i just associate it with the the tennessee volunteer wearing camo southern nice. rednecks it's, 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 so that that's kind of a now as i've gotten older i look back I, there i motley Crue, i can appreciate mm. uh you know i uh, there's good stuff in it obviously you know but it's nothing i go back and listen to on the regular
1: personally i think this is a fantastic tease for the setup question and, and whether or not grunge killed hair metal but uh we'll have to wait before uh to, to the break to get to that enough foreplay let's get into the record man let's do it all right well side one opens up with say hello to heaven
2: please mother my thing. take me His place And the long Winded kisses I hear My hand Words Never listen
0: This is one of those songs that I had heard, obviously, on the radio. And honestly, fantastic song. I mean, this really, I mean, as far as Cornell songs go, I mean, obviously, I, I, I loved, like I said, Soundgarden was great. I even loved um, Audio. I didn't love, I loved certain songs of Audio Slave. Right. But this song here, it may be one of his greatest moments vocally and just how the vocals build uh he's just i mean he's really great at building to where he needs to get with it and you know the thing that that really distinguishes this to me to a lot of the grunge albums i mean i know like i said smashing pumpkins but there's some really great like rock solos in in these songs like which kind of blows me away and the thing I liked about Pearl Jam, and I was into Pearl Jam for a while, and I think of the song Alive where they get to the end and th- there's these, like, shredding solos. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And this is the same thing in this. Um, I mean, That's just a great comparison, song.
1: yeah, as far as those two solos.
0: Yeah, I mean, the it's... Same it, player, it's, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, right. But you can kind of see, like, th- these guys obviously... They they got their groove together with this song and it's I mean it's long you know it's it's what like six and a half minutes long yeah. but uh, six
1: minutes and twenty two seconds
0: but I, I don't get tired of it I've listened to this one a lot like and I don't listen to a lot of six and a half minute songs but man just this this is Cornell just being Cornell and it's so good.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned on the show, and and I promise I don't bring this up to get too emotional, or, or uh, I just want to want to share some of the stuff. But a, a, a close friend of mine from high school uh, passed away in October, and it, this song I always liked. You know what I mean? It always connected yeah. with me. But man, there are a couple lines in this fucking tune that like have made me cry probably a little more than I want to admit uh, yeah. lately. And uh, I'll, I'll point out one that it was just like. Um, Got to reach out on another road. You have to seek out another road because this one has ended it abrupt, and it's it's it, it's very succinct. And it might seem silly, but it's also the way Cornell sings it is just fucking next level. And even like talking about it, I just get chills, and I think about you know like man, you can tell that he is literally feeling the loss of his friend, like like when he's singing this, you know what I mean? If I'm feeling yeah. this way about just two lines of a song 20, 30 years later, and this this entire song was written about someone he was probably just as close, if not closer to, Yeah, I couldn't imagine being him in the vocal booth. And it just comes across. I mean, it just soars. The, the last few notes of that guitar solo that you just mentioned, that I highlighted that, and it just goes into that... And then he just kind of does that thing that that um, I, I talked on on a, on a Song Garden episode that Cornell does better than probably almost any singer I, I can think of, and that is like he can do that kind of like soft kind of thing, and then just and it's very believable and soulful. But then he can also just kind of just pump it to a level that few people can even reach. And the guys that can reach that aren't really capable of doing that kind of low soulful thing. And he just does it so smooth. And this is one of the many times in this album where where he just gets into that Level with that, oh, it's it, it just it, it really is just spine tingling for me. Yeah, so a great opener. Um, and and and, and oddly, uh, I'll, I'll talk on it more in the next record. I heard this record shortly after it was released because I was working at college radio, but I started playing it for a different reason than what we're talking about today. D- are you familiar with the rating system? Uh, I, I don't yes. know if you if you came prepared, but. Uh, what do you got for this one, man?
0: Well, you know, it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, you got to look at Temple of the Dog, inspired by Mother Love Bone. You've got Sound Garden, The mm, Garden. You know, it's got to be something food-related. I related. love the build-up. And, and I think food for dogs, you th- think of just a rawhide bone. So that's I'm going, how many rawhide bones is each track going to be? <laughs> and if we're going one to five, this one is... It's a five. I mean, it is a it's a damn near perfect song, truthfully. Yeah,
1: so. honestly, it's hard to make a song six minutes and twenty two seconds long that is this fucking good. So I'm I'm with you. It's five yeah. rawhide bones from me too. There you go. Track two is Reach Down.
2: And I got
1: station um (laughs) i i used to play this song so i could go out for my cigarette break uh you know on the four hours that i worked there so i don't know that i actually heard the whole thing until i bought the cd probably which would have been after hunger strike broke about a year later but uh chris had written the lyrics as dialogue between himself and his departed friend andy in a different reality where andy had not only lived still but he achieved his dreams of stardom, and that's pretty fucking deep, man. That's your lyrical approach, is all I'm getting yeah, at. You that's know, that's, wild. you might as well be writing novels at that point. But the guitar tone on that just that opening riff, it's just just wet as fuck. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good.
0: This is another one. Um, I mean, it's it's 11 minutes long. I mean, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, 11
1: minutes and 11 seconds.
0: I mean, you got to really musically once again. It's great. Um, I think when you look at this one, you can kind of see the future of some different like Soundgarden tunes, maybe yeah. like like Black Hole Sun or something like that. Um, but then really at the end, you get this kind of Pearl Jam explosion, you know, where these guys are kind of, you know, doing their own thing almost. And, and that's fun to watch. You know, it's fun to watch that. At, at, and if you kind of watch the history of the band and everything, I think it's phenomenal. I'm gonna just be truthful. I've been listening to this. I have not been looking at time so I've been listening. I didn't realize the song was 11 minute song, which is <laughs> which is high praise. Um, I just once again, I'm digging the lyrics. I'm digging his. he's just got really melodic ways of of, of singing the uh, the choruses, the hooks, and all that. So I like it. Will I go now that I know it's 11 minutes? If I'm on a road trip or if I'm going to run errands, is this one I'm gonna put on? And some of the other ones, I mean. Maybe not, I don't know, maybe I need eleven yeah. minute song, you know, um, but it it's it's still good like the these first several tracks are are really, really strong, and knowing that about the lyrics that adds a little bit of deepness to it, so man i i I'm gonna give it four rawhide bones on this one I think it's uh it's worthy of that I mean once- again, it'd be hard for me to give any eleven minute song. A five. That's <laughs> that's asking a lot, but it's still it's still a damn like a really a really good song. Uh,
1: that vocal breakdown out of the solo, where it just kind of drops, and it's like you just get the kind of. It's just, to me that is yeah. that is. I mean of course I nailed it there but that is um, <laughs> that, that is next level to me. Um, there is a brilliant version I think from around 2011 pro shot not multi-cam um, mm. <laughs> from uh, two th- like I said 2011 in Alpine Valley of Chris joining Pearl Jam on stage to play this and uh, say hello to heaven
2: a chair.
1: killer. It's it's amazing how good he sounds that far down the road cuz you know, he's got a very rangy voice and you typically notice a little bit of, of you know, things kind of degrade a little bit as you get older. It's all right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I give it 5, man. This gets 5 rawhide bones okay. from me, man. I
0: I I understand. I, it's a, it's a it's a really good song. So, I understand that.
1: The next song here is uh,
2: hunger strike. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadence. But I can't feed all the powerless when my cup's already
1: I used to play this record on the radio station when I saw this the, this video on MTV. I'm like, I just remembered the name. I didn't, I never played this fucking song, um, and it was released as a single, like when the, when the album came out. So when I had the album, this is the song I was supposed to be playing. But you know, I needed a cigarette, so I fucking saw 11 minutes, 11 seconds. I'm like, I'm out the patio, <laughs> man.
2: Nice one. I've
0: heard this song. I mean, there's no telling how many amount of times <laughs> um, and. It It's one of those songs, It's uh, when you first hear it, you love it. And it's like a lot of singles that are overplayed. At some point, it becomes almost like a joke. And I think the lyrics, hmm. I mean, I know that here's the thing. I know they're being serious about, you know, not nah, getting into it, man, eating food and all that. But it sounds kind of goofy. I mean, it, so it, it's almost like a roller coaster. It starts off. You're like, oh, this is a really good song. Uh, like, once again, these two vocalists together, just reading about that, kind of the Wikipedia, how Eddie came in and was just doing vocals on top of it, unrehearsed. That's, I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, some of the stuff you wonder, like, oh, I don't know. is that true or not? Who knows? But of course. Um, but uh, but it's like a uh, kind of the Family Guy. The joke starts out, it's funny. They overplay the joke, it's stupid, and then they overplay it so much, it's good again. And that's look looking <laughs> hunger strike. I mean, it's got to be in the in the arena of like a Leonard Skynyrd song, like uh, as far as the public, the public recognizes it, they need it. And I, I love me some hunger strike. And like I say, I said earlier, I I will walk around, I, I sing this may be one of the songs I sing the most as far as this. I don't need <laughs> sm- whatever. The, the, uh, Do you know, it. From the Let's mouths it. of decadence, I'm going hungry. I mean, I just hunger. say that all the time and it, it's such a good hook i mean it sounds stupid like i would never write those lyrics down i would never take them to a band i would say that i may write them down and i'd go these are gonna stay with me but this song works i think it is honestly as far as this era it's one of the 10 best grunge songs of the entire era and that's saying a lot but um this gets a five a hundred percent i absolutely love it
1: I i tend to agree with pretty much everything you said there um it's almost one of those songs that I never have to seek out either. Like it's just it's it's, it's right there. Like I, I I don't know that I'm like you know what I need to fucking do right now. I need to fucking drop me some hunger strike. <laughs> right. But when that fucker comes on, it's like it's just a fucking it's comfort food, baby. It uh it brings you back. It, it's not like like I said, it, this is not my go-to. On this record right. at all But it, it, it definitely was when it first clicked But then like you said It's a joke that kids, I love the Family Guy reference That's a perfect yeah. like, like Peter just hurt his knee uh, Yeah, that's good <laughs> Or the bird is the word Or yes Or yes. the chicken fight There's so many examples But um, yeah, man Um, Well, legend has it that This is you know, one of the only songs Chris ever wrote stoned Which is maybe why uh, mm. There's only one verse repeated twice, oh,
2: and okay, uh, okay. this is.
1: Uh, it should be noted. This is oh. the first official recording of Eddie Vedder on on record. So, oh. um, apparently, he was just you know joining the Mookie Blaylock, oh. soon to be Pearl Jam guys, and hanging out in Chris's grandma's barn that had been renovated into a demo studio that they had to go record somewhere else. In, oh. um, I give it a fucking five, five rawhide bones, man. Yeah. Oh.
0: I, I don't know how anyone does it. I think it's just. Oh. It's crazy that's Eddie Vedder's first vocals. I, that That's
1: wild as well. That's crazy. But anyway, yeah, perfect. All right. Track four on side one is Pushing Forward Back.
2: Mother, mother Found me on her step. Gracious mother
0: Um, this one, I mean, once again, this is good. It kind of reminds me of almost like a 70s rock kind of vibe to it, which, which is kind of a strong flavor in a lot of these songs, truthfully. There is that kind of 70s Pearl vibe. Pearl Jam which, in general, I think. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you can kind of hear that w- with the band being involved. It's, I mean, it's, it's a good track. It's, uh, I mean, you know, I... It's just a a straight-out rocker, if that's what you're looking for, which, like I say, these first four, just sequencing-wise, are are fantastic together. And I think it's it's still kind of fitting in. I think the album loses some steam as we're going to keep moving forward. But we're still at the part where we're still moving forward with some really good songs. So this one, I'm giving another five as well. I think it's just a really solid rock uh, tune that showcases, once again, uh, that 70s flavor of the Pearl Jam
1: this is the only song credited musically to Jeff and Stone. I believe all the lyrics are credited to Chris. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I dig it, but it's almost like a break in the record for me a little bit. Like, um, I don't skip it. And actually, I typically, I I joked about, like, not, you know, pulling up my disc and just only playing Hunger Strike. When I'm in the mood for this record, uh, if I only play one song, it's probably one of the first two, but I... It, it's more likely that I'm just gonna put the record on and play it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it's almost like I, I can't believe I don't have this on vinyl right now. Uh, it, it's just it's it's one of those kind of like experience albums for me. But pushing forward back though, not not the strongest thing. But the drums are fucking insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now uh, I I don't know how good you are at this, but actually in preparation for this, uh, a, a, a drummer friend of mine and I I played it with him. I said let's. I, the best I could come up with, and well, actually, it was probably more him than me, that's be, that's to be fair. This is a 7-4 beat, but I'm not I'm not fucking that good at math, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Th- it's not easy to, to, to cut uh, four into seven, um, but it's fuck and by the way Cameron is probably the best at that expect almost any drummer i can think of like just these off time kind of things it comes up in yeah. soundgarden all the time i haven't really kept up with him in pearl jam as far as a drummer the stuff he's recorded on but i know with soundgarden and this record and just he's there's so many examples where it's just it, he kind of just adds a little something that drummers and it's not a shot at drummers that are very good, but I'm just saying he could. it really just pulls the song together. I think he actually makes the song a little bit better. And But, yeah, again, we're talking about Cornell. You mentioned it at the beginning. You almost give every song a two just because he's, like, decided yeah. to, like, warm up. Uh, but, yeah, this is a, a solid three and a half from me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you give it a two for the vocals, you got to give at least... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta leave. I would say, see, I'm saying you give a point and a half for the drums because you're right. That is a am I good at drums? No, I suck at drums. I tried right. drums like a, a couple times. I went, no, I can't even hit the bass and the thing at the same time. But I know seven four is. I would never go to my drummer when I was a band and go, hey, uh, lay down at seven yeah, four.
1: That's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> like, like I understand the mechanic, like like like, yeah. conceptually. I know what seven four means, but if right. you want me to tap on my desk a seven four beat, no, 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 that, oh, ain't, yeah. that ain't fucking There's happening. No and I, I sure the hell ain't going to try to talk to a drummer that way. Typically, I though, Dave, I don't like to talk to them at all. Uh, they, yeah. they like, I like to let them see the back of my head. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's funny in in the bands I was in of the, I was in a couple bands. I mean, we were. It was pretty much me. It was actually the, all the co-hosts of Blame Your Brother. It was me nice. and John in various different bands. We No joke. I mean, I know it's like a big Spinal Tap joke. I think we had like 10 or 11 drummers spread out <laughs> through all the, you know. And
2: it,
0: I, The main thing I look for in a drummer, A, can you keep time? B, can you just get along with us? Like, can you just shut up and get along with us? Like, there's too much going on in this room, so i get it yes drummers just play play if i tell you to play seven four just play the damn beat okay
1: oh man i've actually <laughs> my my experience is very different i've i've actually been very close with almost every one of my drummers as a friend really uh yeah which is why i constantly dig at this uh, drummers and bass players are just garbage though um, <laughs> agreed <laughs> side one wraps up with call me a dog
2: me a love will let's finish.
0: I think we're on a roller coaster once again, as I used earlier. I think um, I'm just I'm, I'm going up over that. I'm up on the hill. I'm coming down. I'm like, this is fun, and then all these these ballads start um, <laughs> start hitting. And I'm I'm not the biggest ballad fan in the world. I mean, a good one is good. Um, this is definitely a ballad. It's got. Yeah. and I think uh, another thing that stands out is I'm starting to hear piano. In these songs, yep. which is which is different, you know. I, uh, there's not a lot of piano in, in Nirvana. There's not a lot of piano in <laughs> Soundgarden. Is there you know, any uh, in Nirvana? I would say none that I none that come to head. I don't think there's cello, but I don't think there's any piano. So, um, but you know, being a, a huge Beatles fan, I can you know I can get behind a ballad with a piano, even though I Paul's my least favorite Beatle. But still, excuse um, me. <laughs> but this one here. But I said that on my first listen to all these. But I, as I've come around and listened to it multiple times, this is, this is a ballad I can listen to, and because um, I think when I think of ballads, I'm thinking of '80s hair metal ballads, which yeah. are, i I uh, I can't listen to those at all. But this is good. The piano does once you get used to it, and it's in some later songs. It's actually it's pretty cool to hear it in this kind of genre of music. So I like it. I mean, once again, it's it's Cornell. You know, singing his ass off, and um, it's it's not really a boring song. It's it goes places, and it's it's it, but it's a ballad. So, I mean, even that being said, I'm still giving it a three point five. You know, it's, mm. it's 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 listenable. I'm not gonna switch it if it's on. So,
1: yeah, we might be um we might be fighting here. Um, <laughs> uh-oh. uh Oh, just kidding. Uh, this <laughs> might be my favorite Chris Cornell vocal of all time. I, look, really? you know, when it comes to kind of things that I like a lot like uh you know I could my, my top 10 kiss records would probably shuffle around from time to time I know you're a huge fan um but uh no this to me is just um man the he has that one line it's very early in the song where, where it's like
2: you threw me out
1: the way he nails that but just yeah. that, that that subtle like you said the, the piano beginning and it just brings in and it really just showcases his Again, I touched on it earlier. His ability to kind of start low and then just yeah. transition—I don't know anybody that does it as smooth as he does. Where it's like, "You call me a dog," oh yeah. my god, it's, it's just it, to me this is a perfect song in every way. So uh, this gets—I uh, have allowed every guest in the past to ex- exceed five if they felt like it. I personally, I don't know that I have other than uh, I have went negative with a Nirvana song. This gets 16 rawhide bones from me.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. Once again, it's almost like Hunger Strike. I think anytime someone sings the word dog, there's just kind of a comic element to it. I don't know why. I just like, kind of, you know, kick me around like a dog. I mean, it's just, I don't know, but- I don't know, he makes, he makes it, it's still a great song. I gave it 3.5, so. Uh,
1: yeah, I do th- I, I do think some of that might be overplayed a little bit on this, but uh, it was just because of the, he, he kept trying to kind of resonate back to an image. But to me, it's like so many of these songs, it's like, how is this not sort of about Andrew Wood? How is this not, you know, inspired by what you're trying to do here? To me, this song is one of those that just sticks out. It's like, bam, it's like this has to kind of be at least somewhat inspired by what you're feeling at the time and what you're trying yeah. to do as far as tribute.
0: Yeah, you, I, I mean, for sure. I mean, like, even if it's not 100% about, yes, you're right. I mean, the emotions are, are bleeding through. You know, sometimes you'll write a song, and you don't even know at the time what it's about. You know, you'll look back and go, oh, yes, okay, I get it. So, you know, there's probably a lot of that in, in a lot of these songs as well.
1: That's actually a very good good point. I, I I never really thought about it that way. Like, the, the, maybe that was the the intent was that, like I literally sat down and wrote these songs about Andy. Everything else was probably in a, in a weird way osmosisly affected, but by the emotion we we're trying to put into the record. But uh, right for sure. Well, that wraps up side one. Um, let's get into a little bit of some of the more talking points that I get into here. You touched on it a little bit, but if you'd like to go into more detail, prior to Nirvana Nevermind blowing up, what was the non VH1 stuff maybe that you listened to?
0: Kids won't understand this, but they used to, uh, some, 96.3, oldie station, during Elvis's death, uh, around whenever that is, uh, they would play.
1: 1977. Every Elvis-
0: Well, yes, by the month. I think August (laughs) or something. I don't know. They would play every Elvis song A to Z on the radio. I'm not making this up. This is true, and I can tell you why I know this. And my dad, literally, I don't know how he got this. I don't know if he recorded this, bought it. It's in my mind. 77.
1: You would have not.
0: No, no, no. This is after he died. No, this is like in the Oh, I'm like
1: on the anniversary of it, you're saying? Yes, on
0: the anniversary of his death. Yes, okay, yes. Yeah. On the anniversary of his death, the radio station's on that day or that week or whatever. Well, I think it's August. I I don't know. Something um, like that. Sounds about right. you want me to look it up while you every, talk? Or? Yes. Uh, you, I mean, if you want to. uh, They play every Elvis song A to Z. And I mean, every one. And my dad had this every song on, on cassette tape in the car he carried around. And I believe he recorded these himself. That seems unrealistic, but- So I could tell you at one point every Elvis song. I knew Elvis top to bottom. But what's astounding about that is my dad was a huge Led Zeppelin fan before he had me. I was born in 77, so Mm. I was born the year I was died. He never played Led Zeppelin ever for me. It's so much that the first time I heard Stairway to Heaven and recognized it was Stairway to Heaven, I was probably in my mid-20s. I had not heard any... Obviously, you hear Led Zeppelin songs, but when I knew it was wow. Led Zeppelin, I was in my twenties. And you're saying um, your
1: dad was a
0: fan? Oh yeah, he went. To, he, I, we had this old photo album. He had like concert tickets of going to see Led Zeppelin. He went and saw them when they came to town. What the hell happened? I had no idea. He was a, my dad's a weird guy. Like I could write an <laughs> entire book about his strangeness, but that's to say, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know that I don't know that there were any cool bands. I remember in high school. Um, I was in a history class, and we were going around the, the room introducing ourselves and what music we liked and what bands. And I literally just was listening to other people list their bands. And when it came to me, I would just name the bands. They <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've got nothing. I'm not going to say Elvis and Barry Manilow. There's no freaking way that's happening. Um, so you, so you at least hearing... were wise to.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I wasn't stupid. Like, I uh... knew these were not.
0: I knew these were like cool things to uh, to list, but um, I don't even know. Uh, man, Clay around Tom. I've got nothing. I mean, literally. Um, I think my musical life began in in ninety one. Are you, are you I mean, the like, oldest?
1: Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Yes. Yeah, because my parents had no fucking musical taste. They have literally almost no influence on my musical taste. And but my older sister everything it's all okay. th- th- that's where kiss started and everything after that acdc right th- you know all, all that cla- all that stuff that's classic now you know Leonard skinner and all that stuff but uh man she was such an influence on that and even the the hair metal stuff by the way you you spot on nailed your comments on uh hair metal ballads uh at best one out of 10 is good right yeah they're they're pretty they're pretty bad so anyway yeah, a lot of oldies
0: is what I would say. Oldies on repeat. I could tell I, if you, if there was a podcast about oldie songs, I could tell you all about it. It's all we listen to is the oldie station. So well, let,
1: let me ask you this then, because you mentioned your dad bought Nevermind for himself after yes. never letting you listen to Zeppelin, uh, who he loved. Uh, <laughs> this is a definitely unique, a unique fucking uh, picture you're painting here. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> was it nirvana and grunge that like basically like all of a sudden like the voice of the people is is born he's uh he's yes. uh this is i am now developing my own taste
0: yes it, it was the opening chords of smells like Teen spirit i mean i would never <laughs> to me you got i'd never heard anything i mean i know a lot i know it's a great song it's probably not a fair comparison but i've oh, never heard anything like that before uh Once again, I I did I don't want people like I I I listen to radio, but I was listening to like top forty radio. I was listening to KCK. Some there wasn't any underground rock radio I was listening to. Uh, There there wasn't we didn't listen I didn't listen to classic rock because I mean classic rock back then was you know I mean the Eagles and shit like that that I I, I, the fucking Eagles. But anyway, it was stuff like that. So you know yeah when I heard. That tape, it was that one and u uh, two, um, um, the Joshua Tree. Those are the two mm. tapes he had that were modern that I would listen to over and over again. I don't know why he he bought those, but I'm thank God he did. No telling, I might be a, like a in an Eagles cover man or something. You know,
1: it sounds like you kind of answered this question. You were initially accepting of grunge. Is all I'm getting at. You weren't dismissive of it. Oh, I I
0: loved it. Yeah i i, I was I was happy for it to put its throat on 80s hair metal i was like hallelujah once again because of of the stereotypes that i had associated with it but you know you know i think at the end i I don't know that many people the excess and the nonsense of that it needed to die anyway it just is grunge you know once it gets to a certain point it's like we've got to end this guys this is not good anymore you know but, uh, yes, I was happy.
1: Grunge, well grunge was this. more adult. It was, a, it was very transitional for me. You know, you mentioned like year 14 when you're listening to, to Nirvana. Well, that's when I was just starting to, you know, get into Motley Crue and Rat. And okay. that was, that was the first music after Kiss and the Hall of Notes that I got into. Mm. Um, and then that was kind of my scene for a while, but then, yeah, I'm, I'm coming of age. So I'm 2021, 20, you know, uh, and, and this music really kind of hit to me. We'll get into that a little bit more here, but, um uh here's your chance dave Debrew, mm-hmm. voice of the people did grunge kill hair metal yes 100 percent,
0: it did I, yes i mean you can't okay let's just put it like this every day of your life you're eating mcdonald's you think it's the greatest food because it's all you've eaten right it's mm-hmm. all you've eaten and then you go to a gourmet place; they feed you a gourmet burger. You you can't go back to McDonald's anymore. Like, I mean, you can occasionally, but you're gonna sneak out and get it. Yeah. Eighties metal was McDonald's, and grunge was gourmet food. And it <laughs> once you get a good taste of the good in life, it's over.
1: <laughs> I love. <laughs> oh man, LC is gonna shoot himself. Um, good, I don't want to say that. That is great. I love the analogy. Are you kidding me? I I really don't have a... Well, first of all, I, I, I've i actually gotten into debates with people. I was like, wait a second. I've already had my say. This is the moment for the guest to talk. So I right. even if I did have something to argue with, I wouldn't, uh, but I love it. I don't necessarily agree, but uh, I think it's a pretty fucking apt comparison. Right, but... But then,
0: I mean, look at it like this. If you're eating gourmet food all the time, like hoity-toity or whatever mm-hmm. it is, at some point, you're, you get sick of that and you want to go back. There's periods, I McDonald's, mean, I will eat it, eat yeah. it, eat it, and then I'm like, I don't want to eat this shit anymore. It's t- It's terrible. And then I'll eat, and then I'll go. Oh, I miss that McDonald's. So I mean, it's it's,
2: it's
0: everything's in a cycle. But um, well, I don't know how much yeah. you
1: pay attention to what I post on Facebook. But anytime the McRib comes around, I make a big mm. deal about it, uh, and I always like it when I like post it, and someone like tries to educate me about like the quality of the food right. or what I'm eating is just like it's like oh yeah, oh really? I'm eating the McDonald's and it's not good for me. It's garbage. Right.
0: Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I, I, I know. I get that too. I, I did like a little mini review of a McRib. I mean, I've had them obviously <laughs> throughout my life. And yes, people, we know it's not real ribs, dude. <laughs> we understand that when we're ordering
1: it, you know. It's but actually yes. just he, scraps pressed into a shape of a. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. No, yeah, like, yeah. My point is that, like,. Look, I actually do enjoy a McRib, but I also like this is bad for me, don't eat too many of these. There uh you you're go. getting older, that kind of stuff, you know, but, but when that fucker comes out, you know, it's like I'm going to at least get a couple and probably there a, you couple, go. a couple more, but but yeah, and that doesn't mean that like that's what I think is good fucking Don't eat nothing but a good time. Anything else on the, on the hair metal stuff?
0: No, I think that's it. You know, oh, have people know people know what they like. They know what's bad. I, you know, I, you know. I it's, think it's a I was, great
1: comparison. I literally am thinking like some of my like uh, like. There's so much shitty fucking music that I like that I would think if that is the make a rib of my music taste. Yeah. We, all, yeah, we 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 all have it.
0: There, there's bands where I'm like I sh- like okay, Limp Bizkit. Got into them huge. knew I shouldn't be. <laughs> sh- knew I should not like them. knew it, but there was something about them I'm like I can't stop listening to this band. Are they garbage? Yes, a hundred percent. Do I love them? Yes, you know. So I, I get it. We all have those uh, those things, and and I think it's funny. We a lot of it is probably stuff our preconditioned in our brain anyway that yeah. we just don't want to admit. But you know, it, there's certain foods we like to taste. I think there's certain sounds we like, and. Some, some of us are self-aware to know to hide it from other people, and others aren't. Like John, my co-host, he would admit he likes bad stuff all the time, and he doesn't care. He's just like, I don't care. I like the Big Bang Theory. I think it's a great show. And I'm like, John, please don't not say that out loud to
1: people. And <laughs> hey, so Meanwhile, you're like, I, I love The Masked Singer. I watch it every week. Oh,
0: God. That's another one he loves. I'm like, John even if i loved that show i would hide it from people i would not go on i was talking you. about you
1: i i i, I, I accused oh, you God. of being a fan of that show
0: so i walked in my wife was watching the new new one it's not called it's the called Masked the Masked dancer. dancer and i was looking at it and it's I like go, the mass
1: singer but with
0: dancing <laughs> I was, like, what is, I was like, what are you watching, and what is happening? What are they doing? And my wife goes, just leave the room now. You're out of here. She kicked me out of the room because I had too many questions about the mass dancer. I was like, oh, God.
1: Yeah, Shoot but the, in, in in my head, it's like the roles were reversed. You were watching it. Your wife came uh, in, annoyed you, and you kicked her out because uh, uh, you wish. loved it so much.
0: I, I do value. I, I wish I had. Bad taste. I really do wish I had bad taste. But I wish I was stupid. I wish I was not self-aware as I am because I think those people. What's the name enjoy, of the bachelor like, right now? Uh, it's it is a it's a black dude. I know that for <laughs> sure because uh, my wife watches Good Morning America, and yeah. I had a thought as I was watching it today as it was on in the background. I said, "This guy, there's no way there's because there's white women and black women on the show. I'm like, there's no way this guy's gonna be able to pick a white woman." and get away with it there, there's just no way like he will Ooh. get crucified in this era and i don't it's just a weird show they they treat it like it's some serious like it's a bad oh, He's show. looking for love i'm like dude just stop it's uh yeah anyway
1: well i i've actually held this record on vinyl like that that was what they had at the uh at the radio station i was in when i was taking cigarette breaks um side two we're gonna just flip the, the, the platter over there um, i don't know if you did you see me do that i
0: uh, don't I saw it. It was very fancy. Was okay,
1: yeah. That's for the listeners who can't see it. Uh, opens up with uh, Times of Trouble.
2: When the spoon is high
0: So another another ballad um you know it's probably got a little bit more grunginess to it than the other one um it's got is there harmonica in this song I
1: um there is uh i think a little bit
0: okay yeah that's that's different um once again i you know I know you love call me a dog, but I would kind of group these two together um hmm. I mean, it's it's cool that it. I didn't know that was side one, side two. That kind of makes sense that they kind of book in each other. They're very they're complimentary toward sure. toward each other in that aspect. Um, but it's not bad. You know, it's not it's nothing. I would never go back in. This is not one I would put on a playlist or anything. But you know, it it is what it is. I, I would say uh, I'd probably give this one about a, a three. Truthfully,
1: uh, musically, I think this is probably the closest thing to Pearl Jam that you're going to hear on the record. Um, at least what they would become. Although there are all sorts of, like, moments where you kind of hear th- that kind of influence of Pearl Jam. I think, like, other than Chris Cornell's voice, you really don't hear elements of Soundgarden on this record at all. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah. uh, which is, you know, I think is a testament to him and, and his ability to write songs and, and just kind of... Because a lot of the stuff was largely just demoed by himself. They're playing things he wrote, so... um yeah, you know what? Uh, I initially had this at a 3.5. I was like, not not my favorite song, but then when I went back and listened to it just a couple hours before we started today, uh, that that opening line where it's like, when the spoon is hot and the needle's sharp, and the yeah. way he sings that, and he's clearly talking about like you know uh, lighting up some heroin, in um, just a melancholic and melodic way that is just difficult. But then... One of the things that like, you know, there's so many dark messages in in, in the records that I've covered and and they touch on in a very honest way. Um, I know you're a fan of gangster rap, so very much like how they were Mm -hmm. very open and honest with what was literally happening, but at the same way, delivering that message in a way that was also entertaining to listen to, which is, I mean, the message and the, 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 the connection, you know, it's not that easy to do is all I'm getting at. But there is a hope, like, believe it or not, in all this darkness. There's a certain beauty in the way, like, Lane Staley would talk about certain things, and Chris could do that as well. And this song kind of represents that to me. There's there's almost an uplifting, like, you can get out of this, man. And to me, this, I can't, again, I can't believe it. How is this not literally about Andrew Wood? You're talking about doing heroin.
0: It's got to be. I, even if you don't even know like you obviously yes those lyrics stand out cuz i'm like okay here's a song about heroin on a grunge album shocker but
2: yeah it's obviously <laughs> it's
0: obviously in there i mean subconsciously not what not i mean come on dude this is how the guy passed away you know yeah. essentially so i uh,
1: yeah i don't know but that somebody pushed lyrics, you yeah. over the edge oh man just yeah and again, he does that next level thing on that last chorus Where the last chorus is the same as the other ones But all of a sudden he's just like Somebody pushed you And he's just like fucking in that next yeah. That stratosphere that, that only he could hit, man uh, Yeah, so I, I elevated it from a three and a half to a four Is all I was getting Okay, fair enough uh, And I did that about an hour before we got on here so. There you go
2: Alright, next up is Wooden Jesus Wooden Jesus Wooden, Jesus, where are you from? Rio, Canada, or maybe Taiwan I didn't know it was the Holy Land But I believe from the minute the tickle of my head I pray Can I be saved? i spent all my money on a beauty grave Wooden, Jesus, I'll be
0: there, there are interesting elements, definitely, to the song. Um, you know, the percussion once again is, is phenomenal. Um, which you know, you, you have a great drummer, of course, as expected. But it's got a cool, it's got a cool. But it has beat. more
1: percussion than just the drumming. It's got that kind of like a T. right. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah so it, it, that's cool. Uh, I, I wrote down banjo. Yeah, a too, banjo,
1: hey. oddly is, perfect banjo.
0: Yes, so that's good. It's got a wah wah guitar during the bridge. I mean, it, musically, it's 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 interesting, and it's not a bad tune. Um, Any, I I tend to find that m- most songs that have Jesus in the title or or are generally pretty good songs. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Um, maybe it's, uh,
1: you know, Well, Dave, you should check up. out my song, uh, dashboard Jesus. It's available on YouTube, uh, <laughs> iTunes and <laughs> you everywhere. So anyway, carry on. Thank you.
0: There you go. Yes. Uh, cheap plug there. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> this is a good one. I, I, I like listening to it. I like the different elements on it. So, um, you know, I wish it was just a little bit more to it, but, um, I'm still, you know, I think it's a little bit better than the ballad. So I'm going to give it a 3.5.
1: Yeah, I, I I pretty much echo your statements there. Um, I dig it, and I think in the context of this whole record, it's it's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I don't know, I I had it at a three point five as well. Again, once again on the third verse, all of a sudden Cornell just goes to the stratosphere. Um, so this is probably the closest thing to filler, but I, I think this record yeah. is strong enough that there really isn't anything on here I would. Flat out call filler, uh, just but this this is definitely not not my favorite track.
0: I don't like you said. There's no real filler on this album. It does flow very well, so I would agree with that.
1: All right, the next up is uh, Four Walled World.
2: In the t-
0: I think if you could probably <laughs> maybe take this off, uh you know, it's got it's what, well, eleven tracks on it, ten, so ten, 10 songs, I mean, so, yeah. Maybe it'd be an EP it'd be much stronger. Mm. But um I don't know. That's a strong kind of a, statement, Debrew. Well, I mean imagine if there's eight great songs on here. You know, this might be might be a different I don't know, who knows? But mm.
2: Well, <laughs> um, and one of
1: them is eleven minutes and eleven seconds song. I think it could still be a full album at eight well, tracks. That's true.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, you we're know, not too far I off in this, by the way, that's kind of a uh, slow jam. You know, I, I, I don't know. This was re- rewritten. This was co-written by someone else. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you seem
1: hesitant I, to say it sucks.
0: It's not my favorite. It's probably my least favorite on the album. I will say that. So, I, you know, I, I'd say at least make it. At least with the last one, there were some interesting. Concepts in it, like a banjo on a sure. rock. album am come on, that that sends out. I don't know, I'm gonna give us like a 2.5. I'm just, I okay. wish I had more to say, but
1: I think you could make it a nine song record and probably eight by taking those last two songs off. But it's pretty good, I guess. I don't know, lyrically, I kind of like what he's saying. Um, but it definitely seems like again, this seems like this was specifically. Written about Andrew's ex or Andrew's girlfriend at the time, uh, Zana. Uh, I can't remember Zana or whatever her name is. Yeah. But supposedly not. I also had it at a 2.5 rawhide bones. There you go. The oh, you know what? We actually skipped over a track. Oh, we did.
0: Which is not a good sign. That you know we really didn't <laughs> say much about it. But yeah. <laughs> you're savior, right? People like
2: you, I know myself.
0: I wish I had more to say about. Like I said, it just loses steam at the end, you know. And and this is not is is this not forgettable as the other one, but I would still say this one. It is what it is, you know. Um, it's not gonna you're not gonna play this for anyone. It's not gonna change their world, but um, I would give it a, probably a three. It's obviously better than the other one, but um, yeah, Fair I'm enough. giving it a three.
1: Yeah, it's another uh, religious kind of Christian type of reference that uh, actually comes up, you know. Somewhat frequently in Cornell's lyrics Uh, I think this could have Fit on Bad Motorfinger or maybe Louder Than Love This is probably the closest thing to a Soundgarden tune Okay But I do like the tight little chorus with that Hey, 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 hey It's almost got an Animal House vibe to it though Um, (laughs) Yeah, just a little uh, bit (laughs) I'm imagining those guys In that bar that they end up getting kicked out of Uh, I'll give it a three Okay Well the record closes with a track called All Night Thing."
2: So motion to me That you want it
0: this is good i mean this is how you this is how you close out an album if you ask me i mean it's closers are i mean if they're done right they're phenomenal you know and and they kind of stand alone if they're done really well um i think nirvana had some really good closers that were always you know closing the party down a little bit closing the message down of of what's happening here and this is uh
1: it's like the end of the movie Dazed and Confused, where there's this big fight. Everybody mm-hmm. has to leave, and they play a Skinner. Tuesday's gone while everybody walks away.
0: I don't. Even, yeah, you threw me off on that one. No, this is a good. Uh, it's just a kind of beautiful, <laughs> understated song that um, really just closes it out. And I, I think it's uh, Chris Cornell once again just doing doing great. You take out those eight and nine. And you have this close it mm-hmm. with all the other ones. It is just a much better album. This is a really good way to end it out. It's uh, one of the shorter songs on the album, and I think it does its job. And, and Chris Cornell singing it is just it, it's great. Um, I just think it's a great, it's a perfect ending to this song, uh, to this album. So I mean, all that being said, I got to give it four rawhide bones for that fact.
1: It's a very understated kind of type of song, and, and, and Chris sings it that way, too. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's really just amazing how he can just shift right into this, like, you know, that uh, emotion to me thing where he does there. Um, man, what a cool way to close out this record. Again, kind of cool drums. I think it's 3-4, best I can come up with you there. I'd like to see how Matt Cameron did on his math section of the SATs. By the way, maybe he's really fucking good. Uh, (laughs) Again, I I kind of uh, I think you you summed it up there really good. This is a really cool closer to this record. Specifically, it's not. Look, there's different ways to to close out a record, and like you said, to me, the beginning and end. If you're going to do an album, those two things really matter, and you kind of have to feel like you went through something, and this really does just kind of like. It it just even if you didn't know who Andrew Wood was, you can kind of relate to kind of the experience this record, you know, because there's just emotions that we all share and that we all have to deal with in life, and and this album to me is something that I go every time I listen to this record. It it definitely harkens back to that, and this song in particular, it's almost kind of like a swingy kind of pop song. It's just it's just a weird way, but something very unique that you've never heard Cornell do before or after. So.
0: This this probably should have been a, another single. Honestly, I, I don't know. I know mm. I don't think it was, but I could see this during that time period, and even now. I mean, I think it it could have probably been a good single. You know, yeah, I, don't I wonder know if, if it, they would
1: have just done something like that because the reason they I, I don't think they promoted it beyond that was that like like the hunger strike video was shot and released a year before they re edited it and then re released it. So they're probably thinking everybody else is doing their own thing. We're just not going to yeah. do it. But I wonder if this was actually just released as a single, what would have happened? Um, but I think they basically punted on the project like, hey, we made, we sold a million records. What the fuck? Yeah. I I'm talking so. the label. I don't know about the band. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. This would never happen now, by the way. This record. No. I mean the fact that like again none of the players in this like we call it a supergroup in hindsight this right. was not a supergroup at the time and the fact that they were given the leeway of a major label and and a full full release on a genre that was competing with fucking slaughter but I knew that you got to Is is pretty impressive.
0: No, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it it's it's unheard of, like you say. I mean, I, I can't think of another instance where a band, essentially a band that defined an era of music, um along with a couple of other people, was born out of this. Essentially, you know, like I, I don't know, I can't think of any other with a bona fide just badass as your vocalist. I don't know, man. Like I, it's crazy to me. Like, and I know he was in another band, but it's wild that they didn't go, well, maybe we should do this band as well. Because these, I mean, for this to come together and write this album, if I was jamming with these dudes, I'd be like, yo, do we need to keep doing this? Because this is, this is really good shit. We're writing, you know what I mean? So I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's really phenomenal in that aspect. So
1: I have heard, uh, I I did come across quotes from Cornell saying as much, but it was all like um, down the road. Okay. I don't know. I don't have anything from that time where he was like, my plan was we, we could actually just revisit this all the time. So I think the initial plan was to have it be a one-off deal. Okay, gotcha. Well, um, Dave, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, as if, if anybody who listens, I like to give you, the guests the final final thoughts. So I'll get mine out of the way here. And I, I really want to make sure I don't overstate this because I'm not talking, when I reference kind of a darker time in my life, I'm not talking about drug addiction or um, any type of depression or anything like that. I'm really referencing things that I think people normally go through, but uh, the, the struggle was real at the time, and, and, and like 90 to 94 was probably the lowest parts of my life, as much as I have a lot of fond memories of that time and definitely made some, some, some great uh, relationships that I, I carry with me t- today. The fact that going, I keep going back to this. The, 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 a lot of the, the stuff on this this list is music from that time, and it music, as you know, just takes you back, and it, it just it reminds you of of feelings and things of that weight. So it has been. There's there's a certain amount of weight, but there's also just a a, a breath of fresh air that 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 I feel like. And this record is definitely one of those things. So, um, I I wrote something kind of heavy. Like uh, my, I lost my dad in two thousand nine. And as much as like I miss him today, there was a big part of me that was like I was happy that like when I really needed like well, he left me when I was in my 40s you know what I mean I mm-hmm. I wasn't somebody who still needed him he I was well on my way and you know he had done everything he could for me I was happy that I when I needed a dad i I, I had one and and this kind of reminds me of that what I'm getting at is there like I, there are people who 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 tragically don't have that that luxury. This music probably like if I would have been dealing with all that bullshit in 96, 97, 98, I don't know that music would have been able to guide me as much as it did during this time. So, uh, this is definitely one of those records that I lean on and it, it, it as much as like it might bring me down and and it it might kind of remind me of some darker times at the same time there's like I said, there's a just as Like almost euphoric hope that that kind comes out of it too. It's it's such a good feeling, and that's why I don't run away from it. I just I I feel that when music needed, when I needed music, it was there for me. And I don't know that I would have ever got that at a different time in my life because this is just perfect. And this is this is one of those cornerstone records that will always be something that that was. It just it'll just be something I cherish. So this goes from number seven on my personal list all the way up to number 5. Wow.
0: I do want to say that we would be it would be criminal not to show the respect to an artist that paid tribute to Chris Cornell that I know you love. And and this young lady went into a a, a crowd of people that were against her. Her name is Molly Cyrus mm. and she covered <laughs> she covered the lead track and she blew the audience away. Excuse they Excuse me. Molly You're bringing Cyrus me down, heads. bro. You're now, bringing I, I, me hey, down look, here. Hey, look, I'm right. just saying this is the power of Chris Cornell, and I know you. I don't know if you've heard this Molly Cyrus. I have, of conversation. course. I have. Yes. It, it, it is good. No, it's really good. Yeah, it's and not. It's this not. this is the power of Chris Cornell and Temple of the Dog is that they could turn a a Disney princess. Into one that's beloved by the Cornell family on the on the power of this song that opens the album, which is phenomenal. But all that being said, because I had to take a shot at you, um, you know, honestly, just uh, what just a jerk really move. Me- <laughs> I do love that version, but no, I, right. I would that's say. You know, just being exposed to this album a lot this this week, um, I had it a lot lower down on my list because of just, of like you say, I mean, you listen to music, when I think of 91 to 95, where I really was finding my identity in yeah. music, a, a lot of these songs that, that are on my top 10 list of grunge albums are cornerstones I listen to today. I I, I initially had this at number 15 on the list, and honestly, I would say... It's probably talking about it now and just thinking about it and really absorbing it. I would probably at least on my list that I sent you, I would probably move it up to at least probably eleven or ten. Just just really with noting the history of it and really absorbing it. And like I said, this is a newer one to me on the on my top fifteen list. Like uh, the fifteen, anything below fifteen is kind of you know whatever. But of the fifteen, it's. I think it would move up, and I think I'm going to come back and listen to this more and more because uh, there are some really good songs on here, and you know I'm glad that I'm glad that we missed the bleach episode where I could become familiar with it and where it could have kind of a place in my mind now. So, well, I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, maybe it's destiny. All
1: right, (laughs) who knows. Well, Dave, uh, thank you once again for coming on the show. Uh, of course, we've had a bromance here for a few years now, and I really did. It meant a lot to me that you came on, so thank you so much for that. Why don't you tell everybody how we can uh, listen to "Blame Your Brother" and uh, watch you uh, every Thursday night live at eight o'clock? Still, uh, give us a uh, give us a plug here, man.
0: Well, thank you so much. Yes, uh, "Blame Your Brother" is podcast I do with myself and my longtime friend John. We talk about current events, pop culture. We love to do best of lists and things. So if you like just two dudes, probably two idiots discussing the news (laughs) and, um, you know, one, one conservative, one a little bit more liberal that I'm the liberal guy, but come hang out. We always like to have a good time. We have fun with it and you can just every podcast platform look for blame your brother or you can go to our website, bybpod.com that's bybpod.com. And like I said, every Thursday night, 8 PM central standard time, you can come hang out with us on YouTube just go to youtube.com slash blame your brother and you know give it a shot see if you like it um i am very honored to be on this this uh list of of album discussions R- really i am um i'm glad that i discovered you guys You're one of my favorite podcasts i'm wearing a shirt right now the people can't see mm-hmm. that but and I, I and i wear this shirt a lot so um but i'm really honored and i'm thanks for having me on is what i'm trying to say
1: Oh, okay. I really do appreciate that, David. Okay. You were definitely on the short list of people that I wanted to have on the show for sure. I, I, I'm I'm happy for everybody that came on, but you were you were one of the ones that I, I seeked out. That's why, of course, I sandbagged and ruined everything regarding what we talked about. But I love your show. Blame your brother is everywhere. People should check it out. Thank you, David, yes. so much. You couldn't be a more gracious guest. Whatever. All right. Never mind. About all that bullshit, I definitely yeah. oh, would have yeah. been that guy, hundred percent. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. So I don't know. You thank God for age. You know, some of us get to
2: <laughs> get
0: to get to a little bit wiser, and you know, I don't know, not much wiser, but a little bit oh, wiser yeah. than we were. So. Well,
2: well-